For over three decades, we were making steady progress against global poverty. More than two billion people jumped out of poverty in just over thirty years, thanks to the development effort in India and China. One could say that we were on track to achieve the target of three percent uh, global poverty rate by 2030, but the economic deceleration since 2019 and the COVID-19 pandemic has changed all of that. Most estimates suggest that anywhere between 80 to 120 million people will be pushed into the poverty zone because of this pandemic. This decade is not very promising because of the strength of three intertwined, aggregated, and reinforced risks: COVID pandemic, climate change, and conflicts. 40% of the poorest in the world live in areas of conflict and violence. About 132 million people live in areas with high risk of floods. add droughts and water conflict to the mix and the numbers become very alarming indeed institutional and individual contribution to solve the problem is vital otherwise what seems to be a third person problem may quickly escalate to engulf everyone else too I have received a lot of calls recently from NGOs trusts and other organizations to donate money Some want to help provide education to children, some want to end AIDS, and some just want to eradicate hunger. I'm torn between helping one over the other. What do you think of this, Surya? I think that we need to have a proper conversation on this very important issue. Essentially, you are saying that there are many organizations trying to help poor who uh, people who are poor and you want to make a good decision, right? Yeah, any ideas? I think we better have a talk about poverty because I recently read a wonderfully empathetic book on the topic. We'll try making a decision based on that conversation. Is that all right? Cool. So, what book is that? Yeah, it's The Poor Economics by Abhijit Banerjee and Esther Duflo. You know the couple who won the Nobel Prize in Economics in 2019 for their remarkable work using randomized controlled trials to solve the issue of poverty. That sounds very scientific. RCTs were originally used in medical treatment trials if I'm not wrong. So that means that they use some sort of experimental method to determine how best to help poor people, right? Absolutely right. First we try to map all the ways in which we can possibly help the poor people from eradicating hunger to controlling population to providing education. Then we have to find out which method is directly needed. which is extremely effective and for which particular community this seems very rational and insightful but just to be clear if this won the nobel peace prize recently surely people approached the problem of poverty in a different way earlier right you are glowing with lovely questions today yeah so the couple cautioned against the three eyes in developmental economics at one point in the book they said that anyone interested in the problem should refrain from ideology ignorance and inertia wow that seems very wise i realize that different people may think very differently some people may think that donations are necessary and some think donations make the poor people lazy so that's ideology i also get that economists and common people definitely don't understand the cause or complexity of poverty but what is inertia in this context Yeah so suppose you pay 1000 rupees to some organization the next day someone else calls you and asks for money you will quickly feel that the problem is too big and that your individual contribution is literally like a drop in an ocean so when every capable person thinks that 
swallowing poverty becomes a huge drag also we are pretty inertial uh, when it comes to our attitude towards poor people so what's new with their approach to poverty abhijit banerjee and astrid flew pioneered experimentation to eradicate poverty earlier for example you had distinguished economists on both sides of the aisle some would strongly assert that poverty uh, is not really a trap and that they uh, will be able to come out on their own if given the right opportunities and there were economists on the other side who thought that help and uh, financial aid is necessary for people to get out of the trap so the so called experts disagreed so much about even the simplest of questions about poverty are poor people trapped in poverty or not but maybe the question is not having a straightforward answer you know different people may have had different answers because they viewed different aspects of a poor person's reality absolutely correct the question does not have a straightforward answer at all but different experts asserting different things does not help either right if you think about it why do people have to study poverty or formulate theories and explanations at all they do it because policy makers philanthropists and citizens who care about this need to have an un- need to have unambiguous information on how best they could help yeah so the approach here is to experiment right in a way yes but i think there is a bigger message from the book we simply cannot have one size fits all solutions or interventions for poverty eradication i mean what method works in one place need not really work in another every poor community has its own unique mix of culture attitude philosophies and uh, you know basic needs etc the best solution is the one that works with that very particular community right that is nice but also a bit worrying because it may mean that we cannot help people immediately when in need the entire process seems a bit slow you know as usual you nailed it cox you see policy makers or philanthropists are always in a bit of a hurry to help and get things going the experimentation that we need to do happens over a few years for sure but i really think it's necessary i think it's important to help people as and when we can if we have data to show that pe- someone is hungry um then we should help immediately right we should help immediately for sure but how accurate is the data there is a nice example in the book according to the data from world bank in early 2010 it was estimated that a billion people were hungry in the world a billion people were hungry was a word that was used the population in 2010 was somewhere close to 7 billion that is just really sad isn't it yeah but we need to dive deeper to understand hunger right abhijit and esther did just that they visited poor communities and tried to understand hunger from their perspective let me guess poor people just didn't have enough money to buy food they were paid poor wages if they worked or were unemployed for most of the year the way poor people think about food and money is very very important the real question is this if there is a beggar asking for money to buy food and if you give him 1000 rupees as a one time payment assuming it would cover his food for at least a month what percentage of that money will he be spending on food okay but maybe there are other essentials like decent clothes or a mosquito net exactly so can we assume that the beggar will spend his 1000 rupees exactly on those essentials we need that data right yeah and we somehow have that data now yes that's where random controlled trials come in we identify a target group with very similar characteristics split them into smaller groups and provide different kinds of necessities to different groups 
maybe we give free food to one group and money to another interesting so what happens yeah so we get a lot of data doing this right we get to compare groups and get some solid conclusions it turns out that if the poor people have a dollar 1 increase in overall income they have less than a dollar 1 increase in food expenses so that means they have other priorities and food is not the top agenda yeah so researchers found that even when the share of expenses on food increased because of higher income the poor people preferred to spend it on more expensive food and not necessarily on higher calorie food they went for cheap luxuries rather than better nutrition they saved up to get a gulab jamun for example rather than buy a bag of vegetables oh that seems understandable but it also means hunger is definitely not a straightforward problem yeah apart from this general tendency to purchase more expensive items that have the same value in life as older items the researchers found that the poor did not prefer spending extra on food because they really didn't feel the need to how could they not need more food i think that the poor people do need more nutritious food but calorie requirement is different for hard agricultural labor and monotonous factory labor right that kind of makes sense so that means we need to look into hunger differently for urban and rural areas exactly but not just that there are two general trends the calorie requirement per person per day has declined for everyone irrespective of their position in society because we are involved in less physical labor now than we were uh, 20 30 years ago and simultaneously the food production we have now is massive so taking both these into consideration some estimates suggest that we have enough production in the world to serve 2400 calories to every single adult in the world that is good news but there is a catch isn't there unfortunately yes there is a catch the distribution network is still not very efficient we still lose a lot of food to waste the richer people consume more food than they really need to and also waste quite a lot of it these are problems for sure but precisely with the help of individual contributions and ngos and government policy we have improved quite a lot uh, today that means um that we still can't rule out isolated incidents of famine or extreme hunger and we still have scope to improve distribution of food that is true it would be foolish to say that the world is hunger free but there is a lot of improvement already and enough scope for further improvement over the next decade today most countries actually have enough food food is universally subsidized and even available except perhaps in some extreme regions like sub-saharan africa also from what you explained we need to first help the poor understand the value of nutrition right that is probably a far bigger problem than getting enough rice or wheat there is another interesting observation made in the book better nutrition may not lead to massive increase in productivity in adults but nutrition is ultra important for children and unborn babies and sadly they don't get to choose what they eat that means in a rather cold manner that any hunger eradication program aimed at children is far more beneficial per unit cost than feeding adults kind of directly takes us to the next problem educating the poor to enable them to make better choices in life for themselves and their family members i think this book and its ideas are extremely important let's cover education and health in the next part of this episode sure that makes sense but what is the key takeaway for you from this particular conversation i think there are a few important points to understand poverty cannot have a common solution that fits every community 
we have made extremely significant improvements in the last few decades with poverty and hunger eradication individual contributions will matter if we decide well about where to invest that last point is crucial to understand right if you have rupees 500 or rupees 1000 at your disposal each month browse the options that you have to donate money and ask meaningful questions to the people who manage the donation fund we ask questions to understand the impact of their work then we take some time off to imagine the severity of the problem to which we are contributing to and how the money that we will be giving will actually help them The synapse is lit. Thanks for listening to this episode. Do hit the follow button and stay tuned for part 2.